Am I on? I think I'm on. The next three weeks, I'm going to do a mini-series on Lakeview Community Church. And the idea is Lakeview, where are we? Community, why are we here? And church, who we are. And so the next few weeks, we're going to talk about where, why, and who in that order. For the where, we journey to the eighth psalm, and Molly just read that for us. It's a psalm of creation, a psalm of praise to the Creator. May God guide us by His Word and His Spirit. Let's pray for inspiration. Come, Holy Spirit, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. You are truly our rock and our redeemer. In the name of Christ, amen. Well, have you ever been asked what are the three most important aspects of real estate? And someone says, location, location, location. Those are very important, are they? Location. And I believe Lakeview has all three. We're on Long Pond Road. We've got Buck Pond in our backyard, and we're not far from one of five great lakes, Lake Ontario. It's really a beautiful location. This time of year, um, we have water all around us, and sometimes even water comes down on us from above, and it just keeps coming and coming and coming. But I believe sometime it'll stop, and in fact, right now it has turned to snow. And one day it will be spring. But even when I came here, um, a lot of my friends back in Iowa looked at this location and they were just a little bit jealous because they said, you've got water all around you. Long Pond, Buck Pond, and Lake Ontario. What a great location. It's really a beautiful place. And this past week I had a conversation with one of the members of the congregation and he talked about a walk that he took out there on the trail on the way to Beatty Point. And he spoke about his encounters with wildlife along the way. And he said, Pastor Rick, if you get out there, you're going to see all kinds of wildlife. And, and who knows, you might see a coyote or a fox or a deer or squirrels or rabbits or, or all kinds of birds, geese and swans and ducks and maybe some songbirds and butterflies too when the spring comes. Who knows what I may encounter out there. In the spring, it should really pick up. I anticipate a number of creatures in God's magnificent creation. Once it warms up and dries up, I'll get out there, I promise. Those creatures point us to the God of all creation. He's the creator of everything we see with our eyes. And he's, he's the creator of everything we hear with our ears. Now the psalmist fills our ears up with praise. David, David the psalmist, the poet, the shepherd king, fills our ears with God's praises. He praises God for the beauty of creation. The psalm starts and finishes the praise. It's what poets and English majors call inclusio. Any of you ever heard that word inclusio? That means it's kind of like an Oreo cookie. The start and the finish are exactly the same. It's there to get your attention. If you ever see repetition in the Bible, it's there to get your attention, to put your focus on something that's really, really important. O Lord, our sovereign, another word for king or majestic ruler. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It reminds me of a Christian song from back in the day, back a few decades ago. 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I promise I won't sing every time. But that song makes me want to sing. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And it goes on to say, O Lord, we praise your name. O Lord, we magnify your name. Prince of peace, mighty God. O Lord, God Almighty. Why do we praise him? For our salvation, certainly but also for creation, for our bodies, for the air we breathe, right? The air we breathe. For, for life itself, um, for animals, birds, and fish, um, for the weather even when it's bad outside, we praise the Creator God. It's true, people of God, that the creation reflects the majesty of God. The beauty in creation can function as a signpost that, that points us to God. That's where the psalmist begins. He starts above. He addresses God directly and says, you have set your glory above the heavens. Did you hear that? He doesn't say you've set your glory in the heavens, but above the heavens. God is so high, so exalted, so glorious, so majestic, that he's actually above the heavens. His name or his reputation is lifted high. Then the poet goes downward to what his own eyes can see in the night sky. He sees the moon and the stars. And, he, and David says, when I look at your heavens, and he's addressing God here, when I look at your heavens, O God, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established. Isn't that a beautiful way to describe it? That God has taken his hands and his fingers and crafted the heavens? And, and we, um, when we have a clear sky, we can look up too and we can see a full moon or uh, the Big Dipper or Orion the Hunter. Then he drops down and proceeds to humanity, the crown jewel of creation. Now, we're not exactly kings or, or queens here, but we're princes and princesses. Uh, we're not God, certainly. We're not the king of all kings, but we do have responsibility and leadership as we walk the face of the earth. Because David explains, you have made us a little lower than God and crowned us with glory and honor. We have crowns on our heads. Not God's crown, but we have crowns. And we have glory, not God's glory, but we have glory. Not glory with a capital G like God, but glory with a small g, a reflected glory, a secondary glory to God's primary glory. People certainly don't have the greater glory of God, but the lesser glory of humanity. The original glory of the divine can be witnessed in the derivative glory of humanity. It's glory with a capital G for God, but a lowercase g for us. Nevertheless, men and women have been given the responsibility to care for creation. We, we have this job to do, this vocation, to be stewards of God's beautiful, majestic creation. The psalmist is completely comprehensive in his description of stewardship. He mentions domesticated creatures, the, the barnyard animals like the cows and the chickens and the pigs, but he also mentions the wild animals. And he proceeds to the land, the sky, and the sea. Uh, those, those animals that inhabit the rivers, the forest, and the sky above. He says, you have given them dominion over the work of your hands. 
You have put all things under their feet, sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. We pause to think about that. That's a great responsibility, isn't it? To be the crown jewel of creation, to have this vocation established way back in Genesis 1 and 2 to rule over creation, to care for creation, to be stewards of the earth, the animals, the plants, the soil, the air, the water, God's creation. He's made us stewards. It's a great responsibility to care for barnyard animals as well as the wild animals of field and forest, to watch over the waterfowl and also the songbirds, both big and small, to be stewards of the fish that swim, some in the salt water uh, of our brothers and sisters that have gone down to Florida perhaps, or the fresh water here in the Great Lakes. We celebrate the beauty of creation and the beauty of our creator. The majesty embedded in creation points us to the very majesty of God. We, we look at creation and we marvel and it points us to God, the one who made it, the one whose fingers crafted it and formed it in the first place. All of our praises simply cannot be contained. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. However, all the earth has been groaning since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. Paul informs us in the book of Romans that we know that the whole creation has been groaning. It's been groaning together as it suffers through pains of labor and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly while we wait for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. That's Romans 8, 22 and 23. And the grown people of God comes from sin and its effects. Unfortunately, creation has been corrupted and contaminated. Its inherent beauty has been spoiled, polluted, and ruined. The psalmist calls for human beings to be stewards of creation and caretakers in the earth. However, far too often we've done just the opposite. The psalm notes that God has given us dominion over the work of our hands, but far too often we've dominated instead. The psalmist says that God has put all things under our feet, but that doesn't mean that creation gets crushed underneath our boot. An expert on the Psalms, James Mays, writes, the vision of the royal office of humanity is completely theocentric. In other words, God's at the center. But humanity in its career has performed the office in an anthropocentric way. That's a hard word to say. Anthropocentric mode. In other words, instead of putting God at the very center of creation care, We've put ourselves and our selfish needs at the center of creation care. Dominion has become domination. Rule has become ruin. Subordination to the divine purpose has become subjection to human sinfulness. And meanwhile, the creatures suffer. What I notice is this great gap between the ideal and the real. God's high expectations for humanity are not achieved, not even close. Instead, it's just the opposite. Sin has completely corrupted humanity, and as a result, creation has also been corrupted. 
called to manage creation, we've often mismanaged it instead. We've done a whole lot of damage. In our haste to use the resources, we've abused the land, the plants, and the animals. In corporate fashion, humanity has polluted the air, the water, and the soil. In the 1800s, the American bison was hunted nearly to extinction. Thank God it's made a big comeback in recent years. 50 years ago, the population of the American eagle was uh, plummeting due to chemical fertilizers used in agriculture. But in 1972, DDT, DDT was finally banned from most uses in the United States. In the years following the ban, bald eagle and other birds of prey, hawks and uh, what have you, have made a big comeback, which I thank God for. Even back in Iowa, there was a place uh, by the uh, Lake Red Rock, and at the, the base of Lake Red Rock, there was a dam with the reservoir behind it, but then the Des Moines River flowed down, and there was often open water during the wintertime. So from December to March, that was the sweet spot, we could often see eagles by the dozen in that location. Beauty functions as a signpost, but what are we to do now? Instead of friends of God, the psalm writer identifies enemies. He says, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. The enemy is not silent but loud, shouting destruction, damage. The enemy damages the earth, the sky, and the sea. The enemy preaches use and abuse instead of care and concern. And if we're honest, the enemy is not only without, but within. Creation's enemy is both internal and external. Can we see this not only in ourselves, but others? And I have a poem here that I'd like to read you from Paul David Tripp. It's a book that's called A Shelter in the Storm by Paul David Tripp. And um, there's a poem here that's called Functional Blindness. In other words, even if we wear glasses, we might not be able to see the realities of God. And Paul says, I would like to believe that I have 20-20 vision. But the evidence points to the sad fact that I don't. Though this world is filled with your glory, I exist so much of the time glory blind. In your love, you created a world that is sight and sound display of your magnificent glory. No matter from what perspective we're looking, no matter what vista we're taking in, no matter where we're standing and which way we're, we're gazing, your glory is visible and evident. Yet again and again, I fail to see your beauty. So I seek your healing one more time. Please place your powerful hands on my broken eyes and give me sight again. Please place your powerful hands on my wayward heart and make it seek again. Don't let me be so blinded with me and mine that I fail to see you. For it's only when my eyes see your beauty and my heart is filled with your glory that I'll quit seeking identity, meaning, satisfaction, purpose, fulfillment, and life where it cannot be found. So I would pray this simple prayer, please touch me by your grace so that there will never be a day where I haven't somehow, some way, gazed upon 
your beauty. Isn't that beautiful? Paul David Tripp, one of his poems, in which he expresses his inner desire to see not only the physical, but the spiritual. To see not only the glorious, but the one who represents glory itself. Not only to visually see or audibly hear the majestic, but to note the one who represents majesty and beauty and glory. Sometimes I feel that I'm both part of the problem and part of the solution. Do you feel that way sometimes? Uh, The other day, um, I was recycling some of the boxes from our big trip, and we had a whole lot of cardboard. And so I was breaking down the cardboard boxes back at the parsonage, and all of a sudden, the wind picked up, and one of the boxes just went flying. And I looked around in the backyard, and I couldn't find it. It wasn't until later that I found that cardboard box back in the trees alongside the parsonage. Sometimes I feel like by doing good, I'm messing up at the same time. And we try to keep this earth beautiful, but we can't help ourselves. Sometimes we litter. And the other day I was walking from my house over here to the church, to my office, and I noticed that there were some beer cans in the backyard. And I'm not sure who put them there. Uh, If you did it, you don't have to admit it now, but just tell me later. But there was a tall boy, like, beer can, and there was a Another big, like, twisted T back there in the corner, and I walked right by. And I thought to myself later, why did I walk right by? And the next day I came and I saw them that they were still there, and I picked them up. I feel like sometimes I'm part of the problem, but also part of the solution. And why do I tell you that? Not to just sit here and pat myself on the back like I'm so great at recycling or picking up litter, but to say that no matter what it is, even if it's something small, like picking up a can or a cardboard box, you can contribute to the beauty of the earth. Something is better than nothing in our quest for beauty. N.T. Wright magnifies beauty in his book, Simply Christian, Why Christianity Makes Sense. In his chapter, The Beauty of the Earth, N.T. Wright reveals this. Now, this is the promise held out in this story. The kingdoms of this world are to become the kingdom of our God. So that beauty, beauty in this world will be enfolded by the beauty of God. And not just the beauty of God himself, but the beauty which, because God is the creator par excellence, he will create when the present world is rescued, healed, restored, and completed. I think it's great that Lakeview provides access to the nature trail out there. I think it's great that people go to hike and people park back here and then hike on the trail. But I wonder how many of the hikers notice the forest for the trees? In the natural world, do they witness creation? In creation, do they recognize our creator God? I hope at the very least that some of them do. In the beautiful things, do they become aware of the one who is beauty? In their hikes and walks, may they listen, may they watch carefully so their souls are stirred spiritually to celebrate our majestic Lord, the creator of everything in the back 40. Our God personifies majesty, not only in creation, but also in redemption. For Christ has come to redeem fallen humanity and at the same time redeem creation itself. Christ 
is the one. He's the one making all things new. He's restoring creation and returning us to our God-given task of stewardship, to steward creation and all of its creatures. According to Romans 8, and there's kind of a connection there if you haven't noticed already, Psalm 8 and Romans 8 kind of line up. That's easy to remember, 8 and 8. Romans 8 says, the creation waits with eager expectation for the revealing of the children of God in the hope that creation itself will be set free from its enslavement to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now Christ redeems us to the extent that our salvation is completely comprehensive. And what I mean by that, he not just saves us from, but he saves us to. In other words, he saves us from our sins, but he saves us to a new life in Christ. And when he saves us to that new life in Christ, the Holy Spirit energizes us to renew our creation care. Part of it is to be stewards of the earth that God has given us. He does not leave us alone to our own devices. Thank God that he gives us the Holy Spirit to inspire us to live creatively in the creation. With his empowerment, we go beyond surviving to thriving in this place. At the start of the sermon, I mentioned Lakeview's location. And it is a great location. It's beautiful here with Buck Pond and Long Pond and Lake Ontario. 30 Long Pond Road is the place to be. So what are we to do? How are we uh, placed in this place to give an honor and glory to God? First of all, we are to celebrate. We are to celebrate beauty. And I wrote beauty on my manuscript with a capital B. Beauty with a capital B is the beauty given to God, given from God, that represents God. As we observe a beautiful sunrise over Buck Pond or an incredible sunset by Lake Ontario, we remember to celebrate the God who himself is beauty. As we look up to see a flock of migrating Canada geese in a V, as we look over to see a number of pearly white swans floating on the pond, let's remember to magnify our magnificent God. He is the majestic king who created the fish in the sea, the animals of the ground, and the birds of the air. Secondly, let's remind ourselves periodically of our responsibility as caretakers of the earth. May God give us creativity to see ways in which we can restore beauty and accentuate the beautiful. May the Spirit move us to care for the earth. It's our home given to us by the giver of all good gifts. May God challenge us to maximize our location by maintaining the trail and encouraging its use. What an honor, what a privilege we have to have the responsibility of stewardship. Ever since the early days of humanity, when Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden with God in the cool of the day, men and women have been given this responsibility to care for the earth, to rule over creation. What an honor. So at the end of the day, may all of us together exclaim in a powerful voice of praise, now repeat after me, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. In the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit and all God's people together say, Amen. let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 8. We thank you for David and the other psalm writers who inspire us, who remind us not only of that we're crowned, that we have a kind of a lesser majesty, but we also have this responsibility to maintain creation, to care for the earth, to be stewards in this place. So help us, Lord, to have wisdom. Help us to have guidance from your Holy Spirit and help us to follow your leading in caring for the earth and its creatures. In the name of Christ, we pray, amen.